You're listening to Hey, and welcome back to Good Pop. It's episode 84, Friday, November the 5th, 2021. My name is Marvin Yu, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets through our days, we have professional culture editor Han Wen. Hey, Han. Hey. <laughs> we are, yeah, we are recording a little bit late this week because it's been a really busy week for us at the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, as you may notice, one of our members is missing in action because she's had just a heck of a week. So we're giving her the morning off. Um, uh, Asian's got Asian, like, and she's been very professionally Asian this whole week. <laughs> it is November. Um, Halloween has passed. Um, Han, how was your Halloween? Uneventful. I did think <laughs> about dressing up and doing something, but then I realized I had nowhere to go. Um, mm. Yeah, I didn't get invited to all those Squid Game parties. Hmm? Um, Probably a good thing. I watched Squid Game. You don't uh, want to go to those. It's a bad yeah. time. Although related to the topic, um, I did see that Jimmy O. Yang had a very fun Squid Game party um, <laughs> where they sort of recreated in a safe way some of the games. <laughs> um, but, but that was it was just like I, it was totally fine. Like I actually ended up doing a lot of other stuff I needed to do instead, which, you know, it, it's always good. That's good. What did I do for Halloween? I can't think of anything. Which means I probably laid around in bed all day. Um, that's well, also good. Here's the thing what I hear from a lot of people, and same with me, is I am more exhausted than usual. And I don't think it's <laughs> seasonal affective disorder. I don't think it's necessarily like just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like everyone I know who's been exhausted has been like super exhausted. So we all need to take care of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, Halloween's over. It's now November. Um, it's fall. The weather's getting colder. Days are getting darker. It's daylight saving this weekend, which, yes. you know. Is- I'm happy with that. <laughs> like, well, first of all, I'm happy because usually it happens on my birthday. Oh. Which is no- yeah, which is November 1st. So this time it's a week later. Oh, happy so. birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And with that also brings, I guess, Christmas movie season because <laughs> F Turkey Day apparently in... In pop culture. <laughs> Look, uh, according to Hallmark, Christmas starts in late October. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't even Halloween. They're they like, they jumped over Halloween, you know. <laughs> um, but also, you know, who's to say that you can't have Christmas like for like a month and then one day for turkey and then like Christmas again <laughs> you know, for another month? Uh, you know, that's how most until we reckon with the origins of the thanksgiving myth i think i'm okay with that exactly like (laughs) look i often end up just going out to dim sum or something like that so if anyone um i've i've had very much fun with alternative um thanksgiving celebrations so if anyone's down for dim sum or some other thing i'm all good for that i did a a yoga um thanksgiving once i did a pride and prejudice where i just watched the miniseries um once all just with a bottle (laughs) of wine and my own food it was great sounds like so yeah yeah like i've I've also done the traditional ones where i've had people over i've or i've brought dishes to other places those are fine but it also does feel like a lot of pressure kind of like in gilmore girls where i feel like i need to eat make it worth my while and if i'm invited to two or three or whatever i still need to eat you know my way through all of them so it's a lot of pressure it's better sometimes not to have that pressure (laughs) yeah for my family it's always been just about 
an excuse to roast a turkey. Yeah, it really is excuses <laughs> to have. Like, I remember the first time I got a free turkey through points or whatever at a grocery store and I brought it home. My mom's like, hmm, what do I do with this? I'm like, I don't know. You're a mom. And so she, <laughs> you know, of course, made the turkey and then we had it with rice. Yeah, uh, it was never it about was the middle of Thanksgiving. It was just always about like, oh, I guess I guess it's another, the day we eat turkey. Yeah, it's turkey. It's we another- have days off of work today. Let's, you know, I think with my family, it started with we went to another family's Thanksgiving dinner. And my dad was like, I can do this better. And then that started <laughs> that started there our tradition go. of eating Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Basically they needed something to model it off of. Yeah. And and the uh the peanuts Thanksgiving episode was not cutting it for my mom to learn what she needed to do. <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah. it's never been big in my family, but I figure you just make it what it is for yourself. Yeah. Well, speaking of Christmas movie season, uh on this episode, we're talking about the latest Netflix Christmas movie, Love Hard, starring Nina Dobrev and Jimmy O. Yang. I think we've talked about this film when it was announced um, during a Do We Want This? But this is the Jimmy O. Yang catfish movie. And <laughs> man, what a Christmas movie this was. <laughs> the most Christmas, some might say. But, yes, uh, we, we'll get into that. <laughs> but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week. Uh, Han, what's popping? All right. Uh, so I won't go in deep into Eternals because I did just see that. Oh, we'll wait for. We'll wait what's your for general? Eternals. You know, what's your general? My general that? is I disagree with a lot of the people who have like beef with this movie. Uh, <laughs> I actually very much enjoyed it, mm. and I, I don't know if I can draw a parallel between this and Dune as far as like I like really epic shit, but like that's what I felt. I like the characterizations. I like the. The broad scope, I never felt bored. And you know how I always disagree with the third act of a Marvel movie? Uh, no, everything I felt like, every action I felt like, felt really informed by character. I was super involved. Oh, man. Um, and, no, and I'm this excited. Was, yeah, and this was a movie where the first, like, 20, 30 minutes, I got motion sick because I, because I was an IMAX and there was, it started with action. <laughs> So yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about it more in depth. But yeah. I, I, I liked it a lot. I think it's one of the better films in a while. So there you go. Well, I'm excited. I feel like you and I. I think because we both do read like sci-fi fantasy, especially like the epic like 800 page ones. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. And I'm so yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm probably gonna catch it either this weekend or next week for a matinee. So excited good, to good. talk about yes. it uh, with y'all. W- we will have a deeper conversation about it when it is time. So um, other than that, really quickly, Boyfriends of Christmas Past was the other Christmas movie I watched. Uh, it's starring, uh, I think it's, hold on, hold on get, let me get her name. Uh, now, is this, uh, is, is this is, actually a Scrooge adaptation or is it just using those like. Just using tropes? the device yeah. uh, of, of like quote unquote ghosts from her past. <laughs> um, so it uh, stars Catherine Haina Kim. And then Raymond A. Black. And uh, mm. for those of you who may remember, uh, so he is also Joe from Ginny and Georgia, who is the best part of that whole show. Um, he's very, <laughs> very, very good looking here. Um, the movie itself was fine. Um, it also stars Paul uh, Sun Hyung Lee, if you might remember him from uh, Kim's Convenience as the dad. Uh, oh. Appa. 
yeah, so he's an appa here. Um, he, he doesn't have a huge part because it really is like her film and then his, uh, Raymond Black's film. So, but uh, it really is just like he's the best friend and he wants to move it into something, be- you know, like deeper because they've been best friends for years. But she can't seem to commit to any relationship. And there's, of course, reasons why. Um, so boyfriends past visit her uh, to sort of show what happened um, in their relationships and how she blew them up. Um, but uh, so it's it's a t- totally fine movie. It mm. is a Hallmark movie. Mm. It is to be noted. Um, and something that I've always said for a while there was like when they started introducing diversity, they tend to segregate them. So it was like there's nothing wrong with Asian dating Asian, of course, but it, it was like solely every single race was only dating their own race. And after a while, it kind of felt weird because I was like that's not life so the fact that you have this Korean woman and this South Asian man I was like ah we still have Asian and Asian but it's different Asians and so I was really happy yeah. with that Asian and her is not a monolith so this exactly is a, this is a step her, forward hallmark kudos I guess exactly and her four boyfriends past are all different types so uh, again good um, so yeah I thought this was a good it, it actually premiered on October 23rd. Oh. So I'm telling you when like they it start jumped Christmas the gun on a, I guess, yeah. yeah, Hallmark plays by their own rules, I guess. And F Halloween. And I mean, does Halloween really sell cards? No, Hallmark needs to get that Christmas train rolling. <laughs> it, Especially exactly. with these supply chain issues that we're having with the ports and all that. And if this means more <laughs> diversity because they're spreading it out over like 50 films instead of 40 i'm all for that that's fine so yeah. anyway that that's uh if you can check it out on like I don't you know, know on demand or whatever i'm glad degrassi alum are still getting work i've never seen a degrassi but i guess it gave us drake <laughs> and now it's giving us raymond the black so you know same i i just i think i'm too old for degrassi maybe that's what it is if i never caught on to that but actually that's a lie i watch ya all the time so i don't know what, what my excuse is it's because it's um, Canadian TV and we were just not aware of it. But apparently, it's a, I mean, Canadian as a TV Canadian, then, yeah. As a yeah, Canadian, I have, I mean, I grew up <laughs> in the States, so I'm like barely Canadian. But that show's been on for like 30 years, right? Or like. Yeah, I really don't have an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- I mean, I watched, you can't do that on television. I watched other yeah, Canadian things. So yeah, right. anyway. I mean, I never watched that those shows. Like, I never, never watched Dawson's, never watched, uh, you know, 90210. So. Oh, I know. did watch Dawson's, <laughs> but I did not watch 90210. So I really don't know what the dividing line is for me. <laughs> right. Anyway, so that's mine. What's popping with you, Marvin? Um, yeah, what's popping for me is a book called Jade Fire Gold by June C.L. Tan. It is a book that I read for an author interview that's coming up next week for Books and Boba. But I wanted to give it a shout out here because it came out this month and it was a really fun read. So I wanted to uh, to talk a little bit about it. Um, I think you might like it. It's a Asian inspired fantasy. Um, with uh, inspirations from Chinese um, Xinxia stories. So Xinxia is kind of like the magical side of Wuxia, right? Where mm. Wuxia is about the world of martial arts. Xinxia is like the world of like cultivators and like martial arts sex um, that like also utilize like Taoist magic to to fight. And mm. so this is a, um, the setup is pretty, um, I think it's pretty boilerplate for a YA fantasy, but basically it's a dual narrative. So on one side, you have Alton, who is an exiled prince uh, who grew up in the martial arts world um, and plans to take revenge on the people that killed his family and stole the throne from them. And on the other hand, you have An, who is a mysterious orphan living in a border village who's hiding that she has magical powers because in this world, people with magical powers are persecuted. And then 
basically turns out that she has like chosen one powers. Like she has special powers because it's like dark in nature and is tied to the mythology of the world. And then the two end up meeting together. Um, Alton decides he wants to use her powers to help him with his revenge. And she wants to find his, you know, her roots. And what ends up is a fantasy adventure um, with a lot of martial arts action, a lot of court intrigue and a lot of like dark magic mythology and also like as these things go a slow burn romance between the two main characters so um all the good stuff that we love to see in these stories but through the lens of like a more asian inspired fantasy so i think it's been a lot uh it's been quite a while since i've read a swords and sorcery like dragons Mm -hmm. western fantasy and i'm honestly not missing it that much you know i'll get my witcher fix in a few months so that'll be my that'll be my western fantasy but i've been really enjoying all these authors writing i mean in essence asian american stories about fantasies that they grew up with because i think people should be exposed to different types of fantastical elements yeah uh, i didn't know the name of this genre, so thank you for that. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to this. I, I agree that I, of course, grew up reading pretty much all Western fantasy. So it's sort of fascinating to me to read any sort of Eastern influence fantasy because I think I've read maybe like some fairy tales or myths <laughs> and legends, and they've always been written in a really weirdly remote way. So this is something that makes it feel more immediate and lived in. Um, I know, I, who is the, um, the Tokyo Ever After author, em, Emiko Jean? Emiko Jean, yeah. Yeah, she wrote a fantasy novel also that was like, um, had beasts and magic and stuff like that. And I was like, I've never, I was just like, I was fascinated because it's like, I didn't know any of these characters or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I look forward to this uh I'll yeah, it's out. a great trend. I mean, there's a lot of great fantasy coming up. Um, Ken Liu has his third book um, of the Dandelion Dynasty series, The Veiled Throne, coming out. And that series is one of those like epic fantasy stories. Like each book, the first book was like 500 pages. The second book was 800 pages. I think, <laughs> I think this one's like over 1,000 pages. So it's just getting longer and longer. Fonda Lee has her third book, Jade Legacy, coming out. The third book of her Greenbone Saga. And that one is like mm-hmm. an Asian contemporary fantasy. Kind of mm-hmm. like a mix between martial arts fantasy with the godfather like a mafia underworld tale mm-hmm. and so there's there's a ton of good stuff coming out that i'm really looking forward to checking out mm, cool yeah. all right i definitely need to catch up on all of those <laughs> yeah the only problem these books are all huge so yeah yeah you have to commit to them <laughs> but, and, uh, and and i used to love like i'm like oh my god it's only 500 pages then i i used to be so excited when something was like they upped it the page count i know, you know. but now we're but like now adults I, with responsibilities with, with time yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway these just need to be adapted into 60 minute episodes so i can just enjoy them at my leisure uh, although i probably would still binge them so mm-hmm. that doesn't really solve the problem but mm-hmm. uh yeah and with that that's what's popping for this week uh when we come back we're talking about love heart the ground Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, We've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, 
representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about the latest Netflix Christmas rom-com, Love Hard. Sorry, Nina Dobrev, uh, Jamil Yang, and Darren Barnett. Um, Love Hard is about a young woman who travels to the hometown of her online crush to surprise him for Christmas, only to discover that she's been catfished. And then the online crush decides to help her get the person that she actually thought she was dating in return for pretending to be his girlfriend for his parents. And then, you know, rom-com hijinks ensue. Nina Dobrev plays Natalie, who is a quote-unquote journalist in the <laughs> rom-com fashion. And then Jamie Yang plays the man who catfishes her. Han, you yeah. are much more versed in the rom-com genre than I am. How was Love Hard for you? I mean, it was okay. It, <laughs> in, in that you get to meet two people who are semi-interesting and you get to see them fall in love because, spoiler alert, that's what happens. Um, it's fine. There's also, because it's a rom- rom-com Christmas movie, there's also plenty of Christmasiness uh, in it. And there are a few laughs. Uh, it was, I would have to say, maybe not my favorite vehicle for Jamil Yang. And they didn't really sell the chemistry for me. It was kind of messy and all over the place. But there are a lot of good things about it. So we can also talk about those. But yeah, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think um, you, you don't go to rom- a rom-com, especially a Christmas rom-com, for the stellar writing, right? If it's there, then yeah, that's awesome. It adds to the to the fun. But, you know, you're mainly there for the chemistry or the at least the fun of it. Uh, yeah, I so, yeah, I have thoughts about this, too, because <laughs> you're right. Like, I think if there isn't the romance and the chemistry, then that really is disappointing. But I do have to say, I do come for the calm, the comedy of it. And um, I think a lot of rom-coms fall into the the trap of thinking that just because a situation is wacky, that that's funny. And I'm like, no, you actually have to have good writing and good jokes and things like that. And I actually think that's why the majority of them don't work for me. Like, I'll watch them still, and but I watch them with a critical eye. And um, so I think there were some decent laughs here, but other ones where I was just like, mm, side <laughs> I mean, eye. the script was super cheesy. And yeah, I was definitely side-eyeing and rolling my eyes one too many times at all the, um, I feel like a lot of the comedy from this film comes from internet jokes or jokes that we've like heard or made yeah. so many times that it's become yeah. kind of um, past. Yeah. Right. Passe, please. Like, like all those things. It's 2021. Are we really doing Die Hard Christmas movie discourse and Love Actually discourse? I mean, I get enough of that from my friends when we talk about this stuff. Yeah, it, it was something that felt very weird to me because I was just like, while I understand the references, it's because I'm old. And so <laughs> I was just like, is this what these 20-somethings would be talking about? Or would they be talking about maybe Christmas prints, you know, or something a little bit more updated uh, when it comes to Christmas movies? I do understand that these are their classics now. So maybe instead of talking about It's a Wonderful Life. And and Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. This is their that way. That is doing true. It? Love actually is the. It's a wonderful life for our generation, and that makes me feel 
old. (laughs) (laughs) Not very good. Yeah. So anyway, it did feel weird because it's like, I get where you're coming from, but it didn't feel maybe the most on point. But I guess they want to make sure it was somewhat timeless enough that uh, they weren't talking about a movie that just came out last year that ended up being a crappy movie that no one you know cares about. That's so. true. But I, th- I feel like... Yeah. I mean, personally, it, yeah. I would have chosen some more classic. You know, they did the same thing in another like Cyrano-esque film that we watched called... Um, the Half of It. Yeah, The Half of It, where they talked about classic movies. And I think there it was charming. So I don't know. There's There's just this kind of... It's a throwback this, quality. Yeah, there. it has to be, it has to be classic enough to be worth throwing back. And I just feel like diehard discourse and love actually discourse. Is just, I've I've been through so much of it that it doesn't do anything for me anymore. But that's how you get a wonderful title like Love Hard. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Yes, but also love is hard. It works oh on two my levels. God. I just totally just. <laughs> Blew my mind, and maybe the film is actually genius. I don't know. That's why it, like, <laughs> spoiler alert, like, again, the end has something to do with both movies. So, anyway. Uh, um, I also enjoyed that it was a, we talk about this a lot, yes. where, like, you know, the future we want, we want to see Asian Americans in movies that aren't about Asian Americans. And I think this was definitely one of those. Uh, I mean, the film wasn't written by Asians. It's not about being Asian. Mm-hmm. Identity, like capital I, identity doesn't come in at all during the film, which I kind of found was refreshing. Like this film didn't need that baggage to, to you know, to weigh down or to add stakes to it. Um, if anything, if that happened, it would have actually maybe turn me off more. Yeah, I agree on most of that point. Um, like, I don't think we identity has to be an issue in every single film that has an Asian person in it or a person of color or anyone who has a different identity from the mainstream. Um, my only thing is there are some culturally specific things that I felt kind of felt <laughs> missing. And, and this is what happens again, and I see this a lot with Christmas films that are tr- now trying to diversify is... Clearly, this Christmas film was written just as is, and then they cast more um, more inclusively, but then they never change the characters quite enough. Mm. So we get the last name Lin. So, you know, it's clearly they're supposed to be Chinese, even though not everyone in the family is Chinese as an actor, which is fine. Um, I We don't need that. Um, but <laughs> I think there were moments where I was just like, they were trying to, let's say, pay tribute to the grandpa who was dead and and then the descriptions I was just like that doesn't sound like any Asian grandpa I know even one who was let's say third or fourth generation in America <laughs> and then and then also I was like they had a really great breakfast scene and I was like there's not one Asian thing on the table <laughs> I was just like how is this possible so there were I just mean, little things like that that I felt like eh, they could have just gave, thrown in the background I mean I gave them a pass on that because they do live sure. in Lake Placid they're probably the, I mean they're not the only Asian family which was right, good right. to see too. Yeah, and they ha- and they're. I'm yeah. sure there are definitely people who assimilate completely, and yeah. But that was just my one thing. Where I was like, felt <laughs> a little weird to me. I um, will say, like, I feel like everyone's grandpa's a little different. I can see, you know, his grandpa was all about like you know rolling up his shoulders and putting on Bengay. Like my grandfather's scent would probably be like brandy, because that's what my. Grandpa I was also liked just drink. like, what about Salampas? Like. Mm. <laughs> no, I was There's like, no point of reference there, though. No one's going to know what Salonpas is. Except for someone Asian. That's mm. why it's also like, that's, that's why I was 
it, it's yeah. It's, it would have been nice for some some crumbs, but then also the yeah. the writers have no context yeah. of that. So yeah. Know. I mean, that's why you get someone like, let's say, Sandra Oh, who says that sometimes on set she needs to bring something up because mm. she's like, uh, no, why are you putting in the audio foley of me walking with shoes in the house? Because, first of all, I don't walk with shoes in the house. So you can <laughs> you don't need to even need to add that, you know, audio like thing that wasn't even on the audio in the first place. But so, yeah, anyway, that's yeah. my tiny, tiny little quibble. It didn't ruin anything for me, but just sort of an observation about like when it comes to a lot of these Christmas movies, it is plug in when it comes mm. to diversity without specificity. Um, yeah. I mean, so given that though, I think it was good to see that because they decided to cast, you know, Jimmy O. Yang as the, the romantic lead that led to his family being, 100% Asian and I thought they were pulling shenanigans at first because you know the mom is a white woman but then they explained that as oh that's a stepmom so I was like okay yeah. they had enough awareness to explain that to people who noticed these things and you know as someone who grew up as like a member of the minority watching media like we noticed these things right oh totally <laughs> I, I am curious about why the mom was dead though or dead or whoever I mean dead um, mom is a pretty common trope in these things right I, I, I agree but also I didn't see the point in this movie that was oh, just like yeah, one too many Yeah, there was no dead things. mom trauma, so. Yeah, there was one yeah. too many things going on. But I also did, it. thought it was interesting because Darren Barnett was in it. And he uh, is Hoppe in real life. So um, now we have seen two things on Netflix that he's in where he we get to see his parents. And um, this time around, his mom is Asian. <laughs> I do love that we were able to see Darren Barnett as an actual adult for once <laughs> and not playing like a teenager <laughs> and making everyone feel uncomfortable being shirtless because you know he's definitely not a teenager. yeah i mean yeah. darren barnett as an adult man with like you know facial hair i get it now you know when when he was love interest in never have ever it was a little icky i gotta yeah. say <laughs> yeah i i because they played up his sexiness that's what i was just like i know he's an adult i mean even 20s is, is too young for me at this point let's just be clear but at the same time i was just like it just felt weird <laughs> don't do that it's kind of like how when you watch pen 15 and if they did any of that it would be weird but they don't sexualize mm. you know their love interests so that's good <laughs> um but anyway yeah uh, um but going back to the family i i love the family i think the family is what really pulls mm-hmm. this movie through for me um james saito as um go to asian dad i love because it can't always be time off it right, right. Be, it's you know, either Taima or James Saito. Yeah. Yeah. Both um, are wonderful yeah. dads. I think BD Wong's going up there. He's going to be an Asian dad. He's already Asian dad, right? Yeah. He's the dad on Aquafina. Aquafina. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that they, you know, it's like the Netflix family, right? James Saito was also on the Always Be My Maybe. And then we have Takayo Fisher, who also played Grandma Mimi on the um, the Babysitter's Club as Grandma June. Yeah. Grandma who- June here is a hoot. <laughs> love her. She says such weird things. Um, and also she's very upfront. Uh, there's a great line where she's like, oh, it's not really spoiling anything, I don't think. But like, well, she talks about like she doesn't need something and gives it to uh, Jimmy's character because she's like, don't worry, I don't need to be buried with it. And just like, these are old people things that I love that they can say, you know, that just just like references to things that you don't expect, like sexuality um, and dating. <laughs> she's so outspoken and she's, she has a different feel from um, Mimi. 
So that like both I mean, she of even us, has I think. like the hip grandma haircut, which yeah. again, that threw me off because I didn't realize that was her until I saw. And like, also, the her character is so different. She's definitely like like peppier and like less sweet. I guess you would say oh. she's yeah. Grandma June Fox for sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then hey, awful but amazing or awfully great brother Owen, who is Harry Shum. Uh, Harry Shum Junior. Harry just chewing up the scenery as <laughs> Owen. I loved it so much. He was so great. So the family is great, but one of the best scenes, I believe, featuring the family, and especially Harry Shum Jr., like gnawing at the scenery, is uh, <laughs> apparently they're really big into caroling, but especially Owen and his and his girlfriend. They do oh. like harmony. They do big movements. He's wearing like a Charles Dickens top hat. Like it's crazy. We yeah. In the middle of this film, it turns into Glee pretty much. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't get Harry Shum to play Dick Brother without getting Harry Shum to sing and dance along with it. Oh yeah, it, it's I mean, what great. are you doing? <laughs> it, it also leads to one of my favorite scenes where I actually did feel the chemistry. Uh, between Nina Dobrev and uh, Jimmy O. Yang's characters because uh, she is f- sort of forced into singing the duet, Baby It's Cold Outside, which, you know, uh, is at least 60, 70, whatever years old. And, you know, because of the lyrics, it's a back and forth about like someone who's reluctant to leave, but then, or like is trying to leave, you know, but then the other guy's like, it's cold outside, so why don't you stay with me? So a lot of people now are just like, this is yeah. not a, this is a It's song a song about, about consent. Consent. And he's not consenting, uh, or she's not consenting. But, um, it's there have been a few updates to the lyrics that we've seen in recent years like I think uh, John Legend and Kelly Clarkson did one but what I didn't like about their version was it was a bit too um, buzzwordy when it came to consent like your body your choice and I was just Mm -hmm. like that feels like a weird thing to sing to someone (laughs) Um, so what I liked about this was it felt a little bit more conversational Um, Jimmy and Nina uh, I think Nina does sing but uh, Jimmy is, you know, he 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 carries a tune, and um and I felt it felt it was more real, uh because he was he changed the lyrics his character changes the lyrics to make her feel better about having to sing the song in public, and so he is actually making her feel better. He you know he's acknowledging her consent without saying stuff like your body your choice, you know. <laughs> um, I think there were also genuinely funny lines in the song, you know, in the change song. So this was the one. This was one scene that I felt like everything kind of came together, and I wanted more of that because he was clearly, you know, like. Um, making her feel good and she was like oh my god I kind of see something with him and then all, all of a sudden it like, goes away later I was like no no so, <laughs> I mean yeah I enjoyed it these types of movies it's all about because of the fake relationship and the serial angle you know you realize that he's actually been the one all along mm-hmm. um, but I do want to say um, the best version of Baby It's Cold Outside I've ever seen and heard is the one with Zach Braff and Donald Faison singing it together oh I can um, see that because those two <laughs> Are great together. It's it's on YouTube, so if you want to search it, search Jack Braff, Donald Faison, Baby's Cold I, Outside. I have to say, I am a longtime lover of this song. The lyrics aside, because it if if it's done right and if it's done in the spirit, because I do hopefully think that like I think the original songwriter meant it to be more of a flirty thing. Like the the lady is 
reluctant to leave, but she's saying all the things that society is wanting her to say, you know, but, um, but one of the things I love is it really is a generally like great tune. It's a great duet and it is a, about a back and forth, like play playfulness. And mm-hmm. so when you talk about Zach Braff and <laughs> Donald <laughs> Faison doing it, it makes total sense to me because it's very playful. Um, I liked it when it was on Glee, you know, uh, speaking of Glee. And um, <laughs> well, so, yeah, I've Harry just, says Owen really wanted to sing that song. He really did. <laughs> and honestly, I still would welcome a version like a spinoff of Owen. Yeah, I, I love that. We get Dick Asian Brothers now. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> So a lot of rom-coms get sequels. Uh, so I wouldn't mind seeing a, a, a sequel of this where we got to get more Owen. <laughs> that would be really fun, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so the core of any rom-com is the rom and the com. And Love Hard takes two you know, core rom-com concepts. Right? It takes the Cyrano and the fake relationship and matches together. Um, how did you think they pulled that off? Not terribly great. And this is not to say you can't mash up um, uh, many rom-coms that I read um, and even movies. They do transition from one, you know, trope to another really well. The only problem is I think the concept of both of these, the fake relationship with Cyrano, for me is to within that framework show that burgeoning sort of like relationship. And I don't think that either of them worked out quite well enough so like for the fake relationship the only part they showed was them sort of being like happy happy faked um in front of the family but they didn't show as much of the um with the exception of baby it's cold outside where when they're being faked together all of a sudden they're realizing like hey this fakeness feels really good and really real because the other person's really seeing my needs and so that's something that i felt like I was missing a little bit more of in the film. And same with Cyrano. It's like usually the person who's being Cyrano, the nose or whoever, um, is expressing their feelings um, to the object of affection through someone else. Mm, that's but instead, so But he wasn't wooing Tag, which is Darren Barnett's <laughs> character. Uh, he was wooing the girl. And helping her. And so that was like the difference where it was like, that's a little yeah, off. Yeah, I guess it's not exactly a Cyrano. But it, I understand. Cyrano? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I understand like that's kind of yeah. where maybe it came from, but it didn't quite work. So again, like I don't think the, the thing that you usually get out of Cyrano relationship happened here. So um, actually that was one of the biggest reasons why like the chemistry didn't quite work for me um, mm. with the exception of the caroling scene because we didn't get those interactions. We, we got a few shenanigans. You know, I think they have a caper where they steal a lot of newspapers, you know, but that wasn't enough for me. <laughs> I think a lot of that kind of romantic energy comes from, I think Jimmy Yang's character is very earnest throughout yes. the film. Whereas Natalie, um, Neon Dauber's character is not honest with herself. And that's kind of like the, that's her character arc, right? Right. Like she's into what she wants and she needs to learn to like not be. Yeah. So like, yeah. He's pining a lot. So I felt it on his part, but she was oblivious. And so it like, it it was hard for me to be like, well, we'll see how this turns out because I know they're going to fall in love. So I need (laughs) something from her. And so, yeah, that's why I also maybe feel like maybe it could take a sequel for us to see them like building a relationship more or something. I don't know how that would work out, but whatever. It's Netflix. <laughs> they 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 figured out like 
three Princess Switch movies and two yeah. Christmas Prince movies. If enough people watch this, there will be love hard with a vengeance. At Harder, some point. yes. <laughs> or, or yeah, <laughs> with a vengeance, uh, yes. I am curious. Um, we talked about this during List of a Lifetime, and I got shades of this as well. What is your take of Natalie's version of rom com journalist? <laughs> God, I. You know what? Like it. It. It's very clear to me that like no one really knows what journalism is <laughs> from watching these. And what I hate is that it perpetuates this idea of uh, uh, fake news and bad ethics journalism because like while she is not a capital J journalist, like she's not reporting anything, um, she is still writing from her own experience. So she's more of like, let's say, a lifestyle blogger or whatever. But there are still ethical things that you should do. Um for one part, she is at least anonymous when she talks about all of her bad dating. Um, but hopefully what she's doing is she's writing about her true experiences. Whereas this one, um, because she travels to New York and then she also pitches it as a big story. That is where I kind of like draw the line where I'm just like, you don't like manufacture situations in order to cry, try to create a story unless it's like 100% above board with everyone. She didn't have Josh's consent to you know be in the story about her trying to find love and so that is where i was just like even if she like did it in a anonymous way i still don't think it's okay because um clearly the circumstances of whatever the story would be were specific enough that someone would have caught caught wind of it um so yeah it was uh i did not like it no <laughs> It's journalists bad. need good representation too is they, what we're seeing they, they need better ones um the the closest i've ever seen is when they try to make a journalist just be a good person like you know what i'm not going to do this story because it's like against my ethics but they like wait till long to do that mm. um but also sometimes it, that, that has nothing to do with ethics you can still do a story that you know maybe other people disagree with but still is ethically responsible so i think there's just a lot of misunderstanding about that and like i i mean i also have a very sort of strict uh ethical boundary for myself when it comes to journalism whereas other people other people may think i'm too strict like i don't like to create friendships with the people i'm interviewing because once i cross that line i feel like i can't then write about them or at least i if i do write about them i have to have full disclosure like this is my roommate Hello. (laughs) Or this is someone I have had a friendship with for five years. Um, And so a lot of people don't do that in journalism. Um, I don't love to do selfies with actors. You know, Um, some people are fine with that. And, you know, in some ways, I guess it's fine that it's clear that this is a work situation. But when things get very murky and gray, I was like, "Mm, maybe we shouldn't. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Um, What do we think about... Jimmy O. Yang as a romantic lead. <laughs> I actually wanted to see more Jimmy in it. Like, I think, of course, he is acting, so he cannot be as Jimmy as he is. So he wasn't his stand-up Jimmy. Um, but also, you know, anyone who follows him on Instagram can see he's a genuinely funny person, but also very sweet. And um, while we get a little bit of sweetness here, I don't think we got the funny. And I yeah. think that's because it was written without him. Um yeah, I mean, I feel like so Jimmy O. Yang's comedy, would you say it's it's more of a dry observational humor, right? He kind of Yeah, it's dry. Yeah. It's very sort of it's it's sarcastic in a very understated way. 
Um, yeah. And he ironic sort of too. I was glad to see him not play his usual just like dick characters, right? Because I feel like mm-hmm. since I don't know if he's been typecast as this, but you know, his character from um Silicon Valley. F- yeah, from Silicon Valley, his character from Crazy Rich Asians, like those are the types of characters he usually plays, right? The asshole with no filter, right? Yeah. And I and I'm glad he's not that because I think in some ways that's overcompensation mm. for the character. Um, so this one I like because, you know, he actually is genuinely sweet. He has a calling, making candles. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, they also didn't give him other personality traits beyond because he was the pining one. Right. And I think that was part of it. It was like they gave him that sort of as a character trait, which is he was serving her. And I felt like, oh, no, you need to like be assertive yourself. And I think that is where I was missing the personality and the humor and all that type of stuff. Yeah. But I, I think I don't know. Like, he was romantic, though. Yeah. The romanticness was there. He definitely, I don't want to say he carried the movie. I think the cast carried the movie, like, collectively. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the fact that he was able to, you know, like, we mentioned, like, this, the script is not, the script wasn't the best script that we've ever seen, right? That the jokes weren't there. But the fact that he can still take it and make it charming, I think, was yeah. was a feat. I that's why I was like I I would love to see him like in a sequel or another rom-com because honestly like give him something um and that he can really sink his teeth into. I think that he showed a, uh, a lot of good moments. Yeah. Um that I would like to see more of. <laughs> All right. We won't go into specifics, but the grand <laughs> gesture at the end which is like the crowning climax of any rom-com. How did this stack up for you? Uh, it's fine. <laughs> it, it, it's it worked for thematically for the film. Um, did I feel it? I don't know if I. I don't know. If she earned it. Let's just say um, the character because we were talking about how the character hasn't like it took a while for her to figure stuff out. So um, like I get it, and people have been using this sort of. Uh, trope for a while is now a trope in rom-coms um the grand gesture so um i think i just needed like it 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 played into their history it spoke the language that they have together of romance so i think in that way it worked out it Um, was sweet but it didn't make my heart flutter which no no yeah (laughs) well most of them don't actually most of them make me cringe um but and so like i you know when we talk about like the writing wasn't quite as good. Like, yeah, it didn't make me feel it. Like, I like the visuals uh, aspect of it. So, yeah, without going yeah. Too, into too much. But, yeah, it was <laughs> fine. It was fine. All right. So, um, big question then. Is love hard, good pop? Good pop? Maybe not great pop. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would say watch it because it is enjoyable. The, all the things that I really did like about it was the cast. And so as long as you don't like look at it as, as quite as closely as like I do, um, you should enjoy it, I think. Yeah, I think it is good pop. I think in the context of Christmas rom-coms, which I am slowly becoming <laughs> an expert in, I guess, um, it... It wasn't as cringy as others I've seen, which <laughs> I think is a pretty good achievement, right? The characters are all charming on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the script, we've mentioned a lot. It's super cheesy. Your mileage may vary about the jokes, 
but the characters you do have fun with them for like an hour and a half which is all you can yeah. really can ask for for these movies like because this is the type of film you, you put on with family after dinner or as you're relaxing in and you know this is my hill that i've been fighting for the last 10 years but it was just great to see an asian family in a christmas movie yeah i can recommend this to my mom so very happy with that yeah so uh, love heart is released on netflix today um friday november 5th so you can stream it whenever you want over the holiday season uh, a perfectly great holiday movie for 2021 and um i think that's all we can ask for it'll be the greatest 2021 christmas movie until princess switch 3 <laughs> which uh, we will weigh in on I later yes <laughs> I I yeah i need to watch you need to watch one and two, two. <laughs> i'll get to it <laughs> All right, Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? I am on Twitter at Hanonymous. And you can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, Han, thank you for waking up early this morning to chat with me about Love Hard. Looking forward to um. So I guess next week we'll be doing internals, right? Uh, yeah, I would like to. So everyone has homework. Watch Eternals. (laughs) Go to the theaters and support it. (laughs) Sounds great. If you can. Yeah, if you can. Um, If If you feel safe, sorry. You can can listen to us talk about it and then decide if you want to go or not. But with that, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Quincy Cho. And I'm Kay Khan Apu. And we host Marvel Makeup. It's a podcast where I teach Quincy a little about Marvel. And I teach Kay a little bit about makeup. Join us as we watch and talk about every movie and TV show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I'm mostly watching for the first time. And join us as we apply makeup stuff to our faces, which I'm using for the first time. Marvel Makeup is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, and you can find new episodes every other Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can catch video versions of Marvel and Makeup on our YouTube channel. So please rate, review, and subscribe. And please give us five stars so our Asian moms will understand why we buy so much electronic equipment. Because it's for this podcast, Marvel and Makeup.